Hello everyone, welcome back to this, our third episode of this uh, season in our Sabbath School From Home podcast. Very glad that you have joined us. My name's Cameron. And I'm Lachlan. Uh, Lachlan and I are in the same room, which we don't normally have that luxury when we record a podcast. Uh, Ken and Luke are not with us. Uh, The room that we're in is in a shack on the west coast of Tasmania. Yeah, and for those of you that aren't Tasmanian, a shack is local vernacular for a beach house or a holiday house or um, uh, that sort of thing. It, it usually carries the connotation of not extreme amounts of luxury. And we happen to be in an authentic, old-fashioned shack on the Arthur River on the northwest corner of Tasmania. So if you hear some tinkling noises in the background, those are the noises of our wood fireplace keeping the inside of this building nice and toasty for us while the weather rages outside. Yeah. Now, look, um, this lesson has lots of ideas in it, uh, lots of stories in it. The central idea is that uh, it is given in this question on the first day of the lesson. It's easy to understand that Satan causes pain, but would God himself actively take a part in guiding us into crucibles where we experience confusion or hurt? This, this is a question where my instinctive answer is just a no. <laughs> um, and that, that's based on just a fundamental feeling that to me it makes more sense as I encounter the world to attribute the pain and suffering that I see not to God, but to uh, mistaken actions of beings other than God. I think sometimes we're very quick to attribute them perhaps to sort of a personification of even evil, a Satan figure. But we have to be honest and admit that sometimes they're just caused by humans, which I tend to think of as free agents. That's, in my mind, a big part of what creation means. God yeah. wants things that are free to choose, and the downside of that is sometimes we choose not so wisely. Well, uh, <coughs> Locke, it's interesting because there's uh, definitely cases where God... Uh, let me think of an example. God calls Abraham to leave. And that, that involved difficulty. Mm. Now, it's not like Abraham's life would have been free of problems where he was. It's not necessarily that God chose it because it would cause problems for Abraham. There was just some bigger purpose yeah. involved. So I'm quite happy with God on particular instances mm. being involved and leading us into difficult circumstances. I think that um, if there are, uh, you know, uh, moral entities uh, that are agents of evil in this world it's likely that they will at times lead us into difficult problems but if, if we are faced them with a the confusion that sometimes Satan causes pain and suffering and sometimes God does hmm. that's a theological confusion of the, of the very first order uh, it seems to suggest that, that it may not be very useful trying to speculate where where it comes from there's right. too much noise on the signal, uh, is what a scientist would say. There's another element, though, and it's a C.S. Lewis quote, which I don't know if we've used this one before, um, but this is uh, from the Screwtape Letters, where uh, the senior devil, Screwtape, is cautioning his his nephew, Devil Wormwood, and saying, um, you know, I know you want to, you know, cause your human. Wormwood's in charge of tempting a particular human. I know you want to cause him pain and suffering and that you find this intoxicating, but you have to be patient. Then the senior devil says this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, 
the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Hmm. Right. I mean, that does actually raise the really important question, which is, what's the long term? What's the game plan? What's the motivation for a Satan figure to just be mean and nasty to everyone? Yeah. There's not a lot of deception. There's not a lot of successful yeah. redirection in that. There's just building animosity. Yeah. Um, and mm. I guess there's a reverse side, a legitimate reverse side, which is what this lesson is, is discussing, which is what's the long term game plan for God? Mm. Is he just there to create warm fuzzies? Um, or, you know, in the case of Abraham, he had some purpose. Now, Abraham, if you'd asked him, would have said that his life with God was worth it. I don't think Abraham thought on balance he'd been ripped off. Yeah. So you've got, you. I mean, we're not, we don't have time to do a whole episode on the origin of pain and suffering. I mean, <laughs> we need to have a discussion further on this. Um, but let's take it as the premise, the premise of the lesson that there might be particular circumstances where God um, has in mind some thing of great value that he wants to work towards into which we are invited to participate. And that involves crucibles of some, some right. kind. That's not so hard to understand when you say it like that. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. Yeah. Um, there, there is an idea that following God, joining God's mission, being part of God's kingdom, um, in the here and now at least, does involve some hardship, some self-sacrifice, some, some of that sort of yeah. a- element of life. Well, let's, let's jump to Thursday's lesson, where it's going to be a shorter episode, I think, if we can manage it. And... Um, this one caught my eye. Thursday's lesson has a um, extended parable, effectively, that's told about uh, a young man named Alex. He's uh, on drugs. He's stealing to feed his drug habit. Uh, he, one of the people he steals from, is a is a Christian who introduces him to God, and he uh, gives his life to Christ. Feels very much himself to be a new person, and feels mm. called specifically to uh, the ministry. Hmm. And okay. so he he puts this in action and he follows God's God's leading in his life. And at at first things go well. I'm reading from the lesson now. And then one thing after another went awry. His life began coming apart. His source of money started to dry up. A close friend turned on him and made false accusations that damaged his reputation. Uh, he kept getting sick, but he didn't know why. It impacted his studies. Um, he was worried about dropping out of school. He's fighting very hard his drug addiction and and not seeming to win. Alex couldn't understand why all this was happening, especially because he was sure that the Lord had led him to this school to begin with. Was Alex wrong about that? If so, his whole experience with God could have been was it a huge mistake? Even the most basic element of his faith faith were coming under doubt. So then the lesson poses this question: Supposing Alex came to you. What life experiences would you share and what Bible verses would you share? Now, uh, there's a list of verses it suggests. Hmm. So <clears throat> let's go through them in order. The first is Proverbs 3. I'm looking at Proverbs 3, Locke, and I see um, uh, exhortations to stay firm and true. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your uh, flesh and refreshment to your bones. Uh, there's exhortations to follow wisdom. Hmm. Uh, don't don't despise the Lord's discipline in verse 11. 
Oh. I'll be weary of his reproof. Uh, like, do you feel that this would be an encouraging verse to to this character, Alex? Well, uh, it could be. It could be. Um, in that the, there's clearly this sense of, of staying, holding firm. So sort of this, it's this idea that in the big picture it's worth it. It's worth it, so it's worth sort of holding firm. But yeah. on the other hand, I'm not, I'm not so sure because the, you know, I think all of this discussion here of wisdom, I think Alex would think, and I honestly think myself, the path that Alex has taken in this situation has the, been the path of wisdom. He, yeah, he's already turned away from really destructive life patterns and, and is, you know, seemingly quite attuned to the voice of wisdom. What what need is there of a discipline to, to, to teach him wisdom? Um, so, you know, I, I'm, if I was Alex, I would feel a little bit as if sort of, you know, what more do you want of me, God? I feel like I'm... Yeah. I feel like I'm already on the right track. Why, why, why are you needing to, to ram it home so hard? There's, there's also a problem in that it's the same problem with the positive thinking movement. Um, and this is, has a similar similarity with the positive mindset movement. You know, a positive thinker gets success. So if you're not successful, it's your fault because you're not thinking positively enough. Mm -hmm. um, and here, who's the person who finds God? It's the person who seeks him with all your heart. So if you're not finding God, it's your fault. Now, there must be legitimately circumstances where people don't find God because they're not looking. Mm -hmm. So the principle holds. Mm -hmm. At the same time, for someone who feels like they're doing the most that they can do, mm -hmm. um, that may not be helpful. No. Well, actually, that finding God is actually connected in, in the next verse that the lesson mentioned in Jeremiah 29. Right. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I have exactly the difficulty that you're just describing there. Um, if Alex is feeling like he has not found God or reliably found God, then the only logical implication when confronted with this verse is that he's just not seeking fast, hard enough or yeah. with all of his heart enough. And that's a very discouraging, I think a very destructive kind of message. Um, you know, I've seen, I've certainly heard of this sort of thing where, you know, well, well, you didn't get healed because when you prayed for healing, you, did, you weren't praying with enough faith. Your faith is not enough. Yeah. You know, you, what you're meant to do is you're meant to claim, you're meant to claim the, pro don't, don't ask for God to do it. Thank God for doing it to show that you're so confident that he will. And yeah. I find it really difficult because I just don't think that's how it works. I don't see that being how it works. Um, you know, of in in my experience, I haven't I haven't had personal first hand experience of of such deep suffering all that much. But as I look around the acquaintances, the the connections that I have in life, it certainly it certainly seems as if some of the some of the most strong faith people don't don't always get the answer that they're hoping for when they're, when they're praying for these sorts of massive yeah. repairs and fixes in an urgent and dramatic part of their life. So it's, it's not possible. I'm just convinced of this. It's not possible to run this verse backwards and say, if you do not find me, then you have not sought with enough of your heart. Yeah. And, and yet, from a raw mathematical, logical point of view, That's that does seem to be what the verse could be saying. Be what the verse is saying. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So what if we do just take it exactly as it says? You will seek me and find me. Well, so it's it again. Stick with it. Yeah. It doesn't it, say you will seek you will see me and find me straight away. Straight away. So maybe yeah. it's just maybe it is just a, a message of encouragement. It's yeah. sort of endurance, calling yeah. for endurance. Yeah. Keep yeah. keep searching with if, all your heart. And unfortunately, I can't say when, but there yeah. is a promise of. Finding that sort of satisfaction. If we are called to be honest in our prayers and we do not feel confident mm. of an outcome, <laughs> then we, we can't claim it. Like, I know. And if, if we don't feel like we've found God, yeah, there's an element to which we have to be grounded in reality. Mm. Next verse, Locke, is in Romans 8.28, very well-known oh. verse. And I'm trying to remember the context of this within the argument of, of Romans. It's been a long time since we've had a lesson on Romans. Mm. Um, but this is the verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the way that this is worded is actually a lot closer to the, um, the sort of picture that I find most helpful. It's not attributing... It's not... It's not really actually concerned with the cause of the circumstances. Is Joseph in Egypt, I mean, picking up on Joseph, we, we, we've talked recently about Joseph, and I expressed similar concerns back then. Um, Joseph says to his brothers at the end of the story, that was God's plan that you sold me and I became a slave. Um, I personally like to believe God may have had alternative ways to achieve his outcome that didn't require so much pain and suffering on the part of Joseph, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I have to be open to that. But in any case, this verse in Romans doesn't really ponder the cause or source of the circumstance. It says God is able to work with what happens to work towards yeah. good. And that I find a really, I would find that a really helpful um, verse if I was discussing with this, with this yeah. character, Alex, I think personally. Well, look, I'm just reading further on in the chapter and Paul continues to talk about how God intended in advance for us to be saved and that he made provision for this in Christ. Um, if God's for us, who can be against us? In verse 31, um, you know, who's there to condemn us? It's God himself who's out to save us. Mm. In verse 33 and 34, um, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of the sword? Nothing's going to separate us from the, life, uh, from the love of Christ. So what, what does this Christian life look like in verse 36? As it's written, for your sake we have been killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this, but this does anchor us back into something that would be really important. And I think is worth remembering all through this discussion about crucibles. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to the verse we were looking at, the verses we were looking at just before about finding God. It is not clear to me from reading the Bible and studying history. It is not clear to me that finding God or connecting with God is at all correlated with having an easy and comfortable life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so the, the fundamental problem in this situation is 
things seem to be going fairly wrong for this yeah. character. And the interpretation that's easy to reach for is, oh, well, I must, God must not be on my side at the moment. Yeah. But, but I actually think that's probably slightly wrong in the reasoning. Why does God being on my side cause me to have a life of, of, of things being easy and working smoothly? That doesn't seem to be backed up much. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well there's two more verses. I want to look at these and then I want to suggest one or two alternate lines of of um, comfort maybe um, or counsel for Alex, the character in this story. Uh, next verse though is uh, listed by the lesson is Second Corinthians 12, 9. Again, this is quite a famous one. This is where Paul is pleading for the Lord to remove the thorn in his flesh and uh, Paul said, uh, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hmm. It's, um, it's a very powerful idea, but I can't see what course of action it would lead to for Alex. I mean, it, it basically just says, wait for God. Yeah to do to use this and mm. for him to be made um, yeah it sort of it sort of implies doesn't it god's god's power is best demonstrated you know so I, i'm thinking of gideon and and the mighty army that he starts yeah. with god sort of through god's leadership it's whittled down to just a handful of people 300 people i think to take on a huge army militarily they're weak and it's because of that that God's power is, in fact, yeah. highlighted. That's almost the sort of idea that I that I associate here with this verse. Um, but there's, the problem with that is, there's, Alex is struggling with a couple of weaknesses that are really troubling him. And this kind of verse makes you sort of say, well, you just keep living with them. <clears throat> yeah, but it, yes and no because Paul says he's going to boast all the more gladly of his weaknesses uh, okay. so there's a suggestion in which you could say to Alex look what you're going through is not something that has to be gone through alone you're, this is a community where you're safe to talk about hmm. your drug addiction and the problems that you're facing that's, that's fine right. it's, a, it's a safe space um, it's not an unusual thing you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, went through heaps of problems. Mm. So, so don't worry, you're not, this counteracts the earlier problem we had with the other verse where there was sort of like some implication that Alex might be deficient in his faith yeah. or, or focus. Whereas this is, this is really the antidote to that. This is saying, no, whoa, hang on, you're not deficient at all. Well, at least you are deficient, but, yeah. but deficiency, uh, deficiency is a normal state of affairs for, yeah. for this particular relationship. This yeah. is, this is how it works. Um, Mm. Take it at a day at a time, half a day at a time. Call me if you need. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the the sentiment. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to put myself in Alex's shoes, which is hard. I don't think I've I've lived uh, through through an experience in life that's quite the same as what's being described there. But um, that does sound like a successful uh, message of comfort. Mm. The last verse like, that the lesson suggests is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Uh, 
keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said I'll never leave you nor forsake you I don't, I don't think in this scenario Alex is struggling with a love of money no um, but the the sentiment of God will never leave you or forsake you the, I mean a lot of the people to whom these words were written were, were this was written to the Hebrews in Rome wasn't mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so a lot of them ended up being at by lines yeah um I think a lot of them certainly weren't, and and for a number of generations through, I, I I think in terms of the history, they weren't living peaceful, calm lives of of comfort and, you know, widely respected in the community and all the rest of that. It was, it was tough. Mm. I guess that just comes back to the the message that I was saying, the observation I was making before the the presence of difficulty in your life. I don't think in any way can be taken as implying the lack of God's presence or the lack of God's involvement, concern, leadership and, and you know, compassion. But that's a difficult thought. Yeah. Now, Locke, uh, I wanted to touch on an alternate line of reasoning and I'm going to bounce this off you. There would be another way to provide some comfort from Scripture. Um, it seems to me that the sentiment here is that Alex has a problem that needs solving. <laughs> and this is, of course, the sentiment of Job's friends. Right. Um, oh, Alex is feeling down. Mm. We better fix that. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe Alex has some legitimate things to feel down about. Um, uh, God seems to be more comfortable with Job's frustration than Job's friends platitudes Mm. Um, so what happens if you um, decided instead to say to uh, Alex uh, some of these verses I've just realized I had bookmarked the wrong one but I'm looking at the story of Barak in Jeremiah who gets very discouraged because he's asked to write down a scroll remember and it gets delivered to the king and the king burns it burns it and then he then he has to write it all down again Mm. Um, oh, I found it. It's right at the end of Jeremiah 45. And Barak's pretty upset because he's got he's got the job of being a scribe to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah doesn't strike me as being a barrel of laughs. He's, he's, <laughs> and the messages are all dismal. And the people who he's sending the messages to are burning them. Mm. And he's having to rewrite them. Um, so then God sends a message for Barak. And he says, these are the words of the God, God of Israel to you, Barak. You say, these are bad times for me. It's one thing after another. God's piling on the pain. I'm worn out and there's no end in sight. But God says, look around. What I've built up, I'm about to wreck. And what I've planted, I'm about to rip up. And I'm doing it everywhere, all over the whole earth. So forget about making any big plans for yourself. Things are going to get worse before they get better. But don't worry, I'll keep you alive through the whole business. In other words, God says to Barak, um, things aren't going that well for me either. Mm. Yep. Yep. There's the story of Habakkuk, the whole book where Habakkuk's complaining about bad things that are happening. God saying, "Well, I've got bad news for you. <laughs> it's uh, it's actually going to be worse than you think." Mm. Mm. Um, there's the story of uh, Elijah in the cleft of the rock, discouraged, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, lamenting the destruction of all the God-fearing people in in, in Israel. Uh, it seems to me that there would be a fair number of passages you could share with someone who was in the middle of a crucible experience uh, 
to, in the one sense, affirm them in that experience. Yeah, right. I see. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. yeah. Um, in other words, in other words, you could say, "Hey, I'm happy. You're not happy. You need to be like me." Yeah. You, yeah. you could reverse that, and you could say, "Oh, things are not going well for you, and you're upset about that. I'm going to become more like you. I'm mm. going to sit with you quietly." Go for a walk on a beach. Mm. Give you my phone number so you can call me at two in the morning when the drug addiction is really hard to fight. Mm. Um, that seems to me at least as an equally plausible way of helping Alex as, as sort of words of encouragement. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's. I think that's a really interesting thought. Um, sort of inverting it. It's it's actually extremely resonant. You know that that seems to me to be resonant with the call of Jesus. You know, what does it mean when He says to follow Me? You got to take up your cross. You know, the, there's an element of self-sacrifice, and Jesus' whole ministry is a self-sacrificing ministry. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that that has struck me about this hypothetical story with the Alex is. I've heard this sort of thing most vividly and most frequently expressed in the context of baptisms. So, of course, in the Adventist church, people are baptized as, as after consciously making a decision, rather than being baptized as, as infants, they're baptized as mature people who can, who can make that decision for themselves. And I often hear at baptismal events a well-meaning person saying something along the lines of, well, you know, now you've locked in your decision for God. Don't be surprised if the devil comes along and makes things hard for you, basically to try and to try and sway that decision, to try and cause you to undo it. And I've heard it so much that I sort of feel sometimes it's, I don't know, almost a bit trite. Um, now, that's very clearly attributing any, any discouragements, any obstacles, preemptively attributing yeah. them to to Satan. I've never ever heard anyone say, all right, now you've locked in your commitment and you've really given your life over to God. Just watch out. Be ready for God to, yeah. <laughs> to make things difficult for you because there may still be some things you've got to sort out and there's some things you've got to learn. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that I've never, ever, ever heard that? Yeah. Um, now, to be clear, I wouldn't probably say that myself because as I've already mentioned, that's not the most helpful picture that I have of making sense of how God interacts. But as I mentioned, I think many seasons ago, I've certainly encountered people whose Christian convictions mean that really deep and traumatic suffering in their own lives can only really be made sense of in the light of it being part of God's plan. In other words, essentially being administered by God. Yeah. That, that for some people is a really important part of being able to cope with the suffering that's happening. You know, a loved yeah. one has died, and it's a that's a deep trauma. And they sort of say things along the lines of, "Well, you know, well at least it must have been God's plan." And I say, "No, no, no. It was God was crying with you. You know, God was distressed. But if I were to say that to them verbally, yeah. it would be to undermine the picture that's the only picture they have that makes sense, that allows them to actually move on and sort of accept that that." trauma yeah. in their life yeah. so I, I have always have this tension and this caveat 
what works for me doesn't always work for someone else in terms of making sense of all of these things. Yeah. So I am at no point trying to say my way's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is hard. And this is, you know, there was a lesson, a memorable lesson I remember at E14, where I can't remember who was taking it, but it was on it was on uh, this problem about the source of pain and suffering. And the person taking the lesson said, uh, E14 is one of the lessons at Avondale College Church. Um, and um, the, he said, I'm just going to go through the, the, um, all the standard easy explanations for pain and suffering. And he, he, so he threw one up there. Pain and suffering is there uh, because it makes us stronger. Mm. Loud outcries in the room for really good objections. Uh, he said, oh, no, no, he said, that's fine. Okay, we'll move on to the next one. I'm just, I'm just putting up these simple explanations before you for discussion. And the next one went up. Um, uh, God works all things together for good. Oh, valid. Um, uh, yeah, um, issue and discussion problems. Um, uh, there's the one about the faith. Mm. Being able to move mountains, suffering or bad things happen because we're not trusting God enough. Yeah. Loud, loud outcry. Yeah, bad uh, things happen because Satan causes them to happen. Yeah. Um, and after about uh, five or six of these, uh, Norm Castle put his hand up and said, do you know what, uh, Chris, I think it was Chris Ackroyd, do you know what, he said, I don't think these are as simple as you're making them out to be. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the lesson. We arrived <laughs> at the intended, at the intended <laughs> conclusion. Um so, I mean, all of these things are complex, and I think we need to come at them with a, with a fair share of humility. Mm. And we need to recognize that, uh, you know, if God, something about the inherent freedoms tied into this universe, I'm sure if God could have solved the problem of sin and suffering without the crucifixion event, he would have. Mm. But for some reason he thought, or it was or the circumstances constrained him mm. so that it was the best way of achieving it. So, um, you know, we do just live in a place where, where things are not going well for God either. Um, and I'm not sure how that informs the discussion, uh, but it does seem to suggest that there are times where if people come to us because they're in, in a dark place, mm that we are allowed to say that their viewpoint is legitimate. Mm, mm. They don't have to be bright and cheery all the time. We need to find ways of encouraging them to and helping them move forward. Um, but uh, too complicated a, a topic to deal with, Locke, I think, in the space <laughs> of one podcast recording. Yeah. A lot of Bible verses in there as well, and and even the ones listed in the lesson there were quite a, quite a diverse yeah. snapshot of different perspectives weren't they yeah so that that should also tell us remind us something yeah 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 yeah, yeah. well we're going to leave it there um thank you for joining us uh please share this podcast with anyone you feel would benefit from it and uh you can email us at subschoolfromhome at gmail.com we hope you'll join us again next week